Welcome to our podcast, Revelation Conversations. I'm Steve Goebel, and I'm here with Kyle Hatfield, one of the members of our teaching team who works in Christian publishing, and is also a teacher in our School of Bible and Ministry. And I'm also here with Ken Carson, who's on our teaching team and one of our church's elders. Kyle and Ken, thanks for being here again. Yeah, it's our pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I want to start by giving you, our listeners, our purpose behind this. Uh, We're hoping to utilize this time to unpack more uh, in the book of Revelation and to supplement the Sunday teachings as our church, Ecclesia Eugene, has been walking through the book of Revelation. We know that Revelation can be very overwhelming for people, and so we're hoping to bring more clarity and answer the questions that you guys have sent in. And we've started doing that already, and so I guess this would be a part two of answering your questions. And before we start answering uh, the questions that you've sent, um, I want to invite all of you to share with us the impact or maybe some takeaways that that you've had from our series as we've gone through the book of Revelation. Uh, it's been exciting to have different people reach out to to me and to hear through various channels the impact that this series has had on people. And so we would love to hear those responses, and we'd love to share some of those uh, as we record our next and final podcast after this. And you can text in your response uh, to 541-515-7634. And that's a way for you to text it. You can also email us, uh, info at ecclesiaugene.org, and we can uh, get that uh, through that way as well. Um, so let's walk through some of these questions, uh, you guys. And and these questions uh, are focused on what happens essentially after we die. And so here's the first question. The first question is, there are Bible verses that refer to heaven and earth and say that it will pass away. There are verses regarding the destruction of earth as well, or at least part of it. Other verses refer to the earth being set uh, on uh, foundations and never being moved. And then John sees a new heaven and a new earth in Revelation 21. Will the earth actually be annihilated? And where would its matter go? Or will the earth be destroyed and then remade or transformed in such a way that it is completely unrecognizable from what it currently is, but it won't totally cease from existing in the process? That's the question. What's our response, you guys? I I think you mentioned this a little bit on Sunday, and Mm -hmm. it kind of goes back to what it says in Romans chapter 8, where it says creation was subjected to futility, and it's longing to be freed from bondage and to be... Uh, set free from its current corruption. So there is a sense in Romans 8 that we know that creation is going to be recreated, it, and it longs to be recreated. Um, so there there seems to be some tie to the existing creation. It's mm-hmm. not just a complete brand new start from scratch, yeah. but it's completely remade. There's no taint of sin left in it. It's completely been wiped clean of that. So it's a little bit of a both and, I think. It's kind of like in resurrection this. language, I it, feel it like. It is. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? That creation itself will mm-hmm. be resurrected, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's actually a good a good way to think about it because the Bible actually says a lot more about what will happen with our resurrected bodies than what will happen with the recreation. 
but in the resurrected body. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul Paul said, likens it to um, a seed that's planted in the ground and then comes to life again. And so there is a connection to the current body. I mean, there's a seed there. So if you think about uh, Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, you could recognize him. He, they knew who he was. He had scars in his hands. He, you know, he had the he had the, the scar in his side. So there, there was a connection to his old body. But it was a completely new body that could do completely different things that would never die. That was completely taken away from, um, from what we would think of as our human bodies today. It was it was new. It was a new body, but it still had connections. So I think that's probably going to be what it is in the new creation that we we will recognize some things from our current creation. There'll be some some things that are there, but it's going to be so completely new and so completely perfect and so untainted by sin that it'll feel like a brand new creation. Yeah. I think a, a good way to think about uh, what it'll all look like, because I, I think we do wonder that, is it just floating on clouds, or, or is it just everything is just shiny and white and gold or whatever, but it is to look back to Genesis, to, to Eden. And uh, as Steve, you pointed out uh, in your sermon on Sunday, um, John uses a lot of Genesis Garden of Eden imagery, mm -hmm. but then he heightens it, right? Right. So we we see the the precious jewels, uh, but now the whole city is is made of the precious jewels, and and we see the tree of life there, and no longer the tree of knowledge of good and evil is there. And so, um, you know, I think John uh, or God through John is showing there there is a through line, and there's a way to to think about what uh, it's going to look like by, by looking back and see that that was God's original intent was this this beautiful garden and and now what we get is this garden city that that mm -hmm. it is even heightened even more and so it's it's to say yeah that was amazing and we are longing for that but now take that even up to a whole other notch um, I, I forget who it is Ken maybe you remember but uh, I think it might be CS Lewis where he talks about how um, in the last battle, there there are even colors that we didn't even realize yeah. were colors, mm -hmm. and uh, it just basically like everything we see here that's amazing and awesome. That is just a small hint of what it will actually be like to experience this resurrected, restored creation. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think where some people get the um, well, everything just be destroyed, and and maybe it's unrecognizable, or or it's. You know, a completely different sort of ethereal plane sort of thing is from Second Peter three, where uh, Peter talks about the um, the heavens and the earth being destroyed uh, by fire, and he uses the the flood narrative to kind of look at mm -hmm. that as an example, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. And uh, but one way to think about uh, that passage uh, that I've heard some other theologians talk about it is. Um, that basically the flood was a sort of baptism for the earth, where it, it symbolized death, and then out of that came new life again. And so it goes back to that image of resurrection mm -hmm. again. And and so Peter uses also fire imagery here. And fire, uh, while we usually just think about it as like you know like a burn pile, you just burn it and then it's gone. But uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, in the first century, they thought about fire as this refining thing. It's, you it's are, purification. Yeah, it's yeah. about purification. And so it's again uh, like you were saying, Ken, removing the 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 stain of sin. And so through fire. God is taking not just us and our bodies, but all of creation he is redeeming and saving, taking it through fire, taking out the sin, taking out the curse, and what we get 
is the, just this beautiful, amazing thing beyond what we can even imagine. Uh, just, just uh, I've told my kids this, like, uh, take, you know, the, the beautiful mountains that you see or, or the beautiful trees, and now just imagine that a million times even better. And that's just a small picture of, of what yeah. this renewed creation will be like. I, I like that you mentioned Lewis, because that's exactly what he says. It's In, in the last battle, where, where, which illustrates kind of that new heaven, he, he talks about it. This is the reality. This is the, the truth of the reality. And mm. the dream will be this current state. Yes. And we, so often we think, well, heaven will be a dreamlike state. And this is the reality. It's just the opposite. Mm. It's going to be more real than we can even imagine. Mm-hmm. And I think, Steve, you mentioned that. Like, Imagine we're looking at you go to the Grand Canyon or or you yeah. go some some place that's Yosemite, I think you yeah, mentioned. You yeah. know, it's just like, wow, this is amazing. But even that has a taint of sin on it. So imagine yeah. that without any without any taint of sin, without any anything that is corrupt or anything that has any evil, how much greater and how much more beautiful and how much more incredible will those scenes be than what we have today? Yeah. Now, it's like what uh Paul says in, in Second Corinthians four where uh, he, he's talking about, um, you know, the, the hardships that we are going through and the, and the persecutions and the sicknesses, all, all of these things that are a reality of our life here on earth under the fall. Um, but he said he calls it a light and momentary uh, affliction. Um, and, and that is pre- preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. So once again, just we yeah, we've we've got this. But when we compare it to eternity and we and and the weight the glory that that all of that has uh, it's it's just it's going to make that feel like a dream again not not to um uh basically minimize the hardships that we go through on earth we know it's hard we know it's difficult but when we do get there it, it is gonna wipe away every tear from from our eyes it, that passage is so fascinating because it says that this light and momentary effect affliction is actually preparing us mm. For that weight of glory. In essence, the, the new heavens and the new earth are going to be so glorious that our current bodies in its current state won't be able to handle mm-hmm. the weight of glory. It, it'd be like being crushed under an intense gravity, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have to be transformed. We have to be transformed even physically into resurrected bodies that can handle the intense glory that we will see in the new heavens and the new earth. Mm. And, and it's interesting one of the things, and and I pointed this out this last Sunday as well, is he just, John, as he's describing the new heavens, the new, uh, you know, the new earth, as as he's watching the new city come down, he keeps highlighting this, this overwhelming brightness and light and reflection all from the glory of God. And yeah. it's like over mm-hmm. and over again, like, oh, by the way, there is no night. Like there's there you, they, there's no lamp. Like you know there's the lamb. You know, and so I just I, I think you brought up you guys both brought up just the glory of God, the weight of that, and I feel like John is is doing his best, <laughs> which he doesn't have the words for, but he's he's doing his best to describe the magnitude of the glory of God in the new city, and and the the results of that presence are just. Uh, it's overwhelming, and and so I think, what a beautiful, beautiful image! What what an incredible thing to look forward to. Um, the next question: uh, Will there be two judgments for believers, one for life, death, and and another for rewards, or just one judgment? Okay, so once again, this is asking the question: 
will there be two judgments for, and it's specifically asking for believers, um, or is there just one judgment? Uh, and and so, what's our response to that? We we don't have one, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so, I was trying to just understand the question. Is it saying um, one judgment would be like for how you lived? Yeah, I think died, I think, and then another is yeah. just like, here you go, well done, and good faithful servant. So, yeah, what? So what we see in scripture is, you know, <laughs> the first death is what we should not be afraid of. The mm-hmm. second death is what we're to be afraid of, mm-hmm. and maybe this is uh, in regards to that kind of language. The first death is is physical. That's the physical death uh, of here um, as as life as we know it, and and that's us physically uh, dying. Um, the 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 second death is essentially eternal judgment. Um, that's that's the that's the second death, and believers um, are not subject to the second death. Uh, we're we're praising God every day that the second death is is no longer part of our story. Um, so as far as believers go, in regards to is there you know one or two judgments, um, and I wouldn't even essentially call it judgment for believers, I would say we are going to stand before God, but the very purpose is we're going to see this Sunday in Revelation 22, and that we also th- see throughout Scripture, is He wants to reward us mm-hmm. for what we've done. Um, and so, uh, that's when we think of what is to come for believers, and uh, is there fear? No, we should not. There should be no fear there. There should be excitement and to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. <laughs> yeah. I, when, when you look in Revelation 20 at the at the great white throne, mm-hmm. it says that there's there's two books. There's there's the book of life, mm-hmm. and then there's the book that basically has written down every, all of our deeds. And I think it's important to note that those whose names are in the book of life are not judged by what's in the books of what they did. Mm-hmm. That it's only those whose names are not in the book of life who then he breaks open and says, here's everything you did. Here's all your motives. Here's all your actions. Here's all your attitudes. Here's your behaviors. And those are the things which condemn yeah. those who mm-hmm. don't know Christ. Yeah. But if we're in Christ, it's not our deeds that determines that judgment. It's your name is in the book of life because you've been redeemed by the Lamb, because Christ has forgiven you, because your sins have been paid yeah. for by Christ. And so we have to be really careful when we're talking about judgment there. That second judgment where, where we're looked at, where, where the unbelievers are looked at through their deeds towards judgment, that is something we won't face yeah. as believers in Christ because our names are in, in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah. But there is that second, like I said, I'm not sure judgment's the right term, but there yeah. is a, a reward that, right. that comes. There, right. there is, and I guess that's a, a sort of a judgment, but it's a positive judgment. It's where he, we get the opportunity to be rewarded by our 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 Savior and by, by our Father for the things that we have done properly and good and in in with the right um, with the right heart. And, and I think part of this, you know, unfortunately, we're kind of cleaning up that response. Kind of cleans up some of the mess that's been made from this uh, fear based strategy to get people to um, live a certain way. Because I know for me, growing up, <laughs> it was heavily pressed on me. Uh, at an early age, hey, you're gonna you're gonna stand before God, and everyone's gonna see everything you've ever done or thought. And I remember, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that was yeah, I, yeah. I I heard those sermons. 
um, I love you, mom and dad, but but I'm pretty sure you were preaching that too. And 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 so I grew up like I re- I remember uh, many times. Uh, <laughs> this is I guess off subject, but kind of. I remember many times I would be doing something I shouldn't, and then I would stop and go, "Oh my goodness, my uncle Steve, who's in heaven, uh, who's with the Lord now, who I'm named after, he's gonna see what I'm doing." And 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 I remember at an early age when I would be doing something, and and I would have to consider, okay, everyone's gonna see this, uh, and so that was my mindset. And I feel like it, clearly that was that was an unhealthy mindset, unhealthy motivation tool as well. Uh, and it doesn't really align with what we what we see. The very purpose. I mean, he wants he wants to reward uh, what we've done for him. And those, those sins that we read in revelation 20, uh, 21 or beginning of 22 there, the 21, those, those no longer, those are no longer labels that we have to wear, uh, those sins, those eight sins that he lists. And so I think that's a, that's, that's just a good reminder for us. As a counter to that, though, when you look at 1 Corinthians 3, mm-hmm. there, there is a, a judgment, if you want to call it that, right. um, where it says that all of, all, of the, all of the works that we do will be, will be tested. It'll say mm-hmm. on that day, God will disclose it, and there will be a testing as of fire yeah. to see if what we've done is actually hay, wood, or stubble, or if it's gold right. and, and, and precious right. metals that'll, that'll last. And it says there that if anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. So this isn't a salvation issue, mm-hmm. but there is going to be a testing of what we've done yeah. to say, was this done for the glory of God or was it done yeah. for ourselves? Yeah. And if it was for ourselves, if it was done for the wrong right. uh, wrong purpose, it will not. there will be no reward for that. Um, right. So it's not judgment in the sense we're still yeah. saved. Yeah, but it will be disclosed if 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 our attitude or if our pur- our purpose for doing things was truly something that was um, for for Christ's glory or for our own glory. Right. There's. I, I would even say maybe a, a a good term for that is there's accountability. Yes. Like there's accountability for how for how we live because you know we can't you know we we know that he's going to disclose the intentions of the heart and uh and and we can't. We have no idea what's in someone's heart. You know, we we hope they're being honest and true, but it, that will be revealed. Well, it's, um, it's at Matthew six where Jesus says, you know, don't don't pray like the Pharisees. Don't right. don't don't uh, show your works before men because you've already got your you've already got your reward. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we but when we do those things in secret, when we do those things not for our own glory, yeah, that's that will that will transcend and be rewarded in heaven. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Great. Um, okay, next question. Uh, we were kind of talking about this. Will there be rewards in heaven? If so, what will the rewards be like? They ask, maybe a bigger mansion? <laughs> so we already said yes. There's going to be some sort of you know um, reward, uh, accountability, um, but it, it'll be on that positive end. But uh, yeah, is, is it mansion? Um, you know, where, where do they get that idea for, for mansion, by the way? <laughs> I think it's when Jesus says, I, 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 I'll go away and prepare a place for you. Don't you know that in my father's homes, there, or in my there's father's many, house, there yeah, are many, many rooms. rooms. Yeah. And that the word rooms there, I think in the King James was translated mansion for some reason. Mm-hmm. Probably not appropriate. It was probably <laughs> not, not mansion the way we think of it today. So. Um, so he's preparing many rooms, but I don't know that that's necessarily a... Uh, an aspect of our reward. It just says there's a there'll be a place in heaven for us. 
Yeah, and and I would also say when it comes to rewards, like um, whatever those rewards end up being, they actually are something that we give back to him in worship. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I I think that sometimes our our view of like rewards is kind of like what am I going to get? You know, for how I've lived when we look at these passages and 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 any kind of reward that we get in heaven, it's immediately going to be this this whatever it is this this thing that i get to give back to him in worship and and i get to worship him with that and so i think that maybe that's a a better perspective as far as you know what what that's going to be like but we do not know specifically you know is your lawn going to be bigger you know or <laughs> you know like i we don't know well, yeah, some know? of that betrays what what is the glory of heaven yeah it's that we get to be with Right, we get to be with Christ. That right. we will dwell with God. We will be His people. He will be our God. I mean, when when we were looking at Revelation twenty one, I mean that that was the emphasis yep. is that He's present with us, and that's mm-hmm. the glory. So, so the reward has to be related to that. Mm-hmm. It, the reward has to be an increase of my capacity to enjoy God. Mm. Um, and so, it's not going to be it's not going to be a oh, I get a bigger ha- mansion or I get. I get to have more acreage in my <laughs> retirement home. It's that I'm going to have an increased capacity somehow through mm-hmm. this reward to truly enjoy God. Yeah, and to me, that's a a, a very different picture of reward, mm-hmm. and it means that e- even the person who doesn't have as great of rewards still will have the ability to uh, understand and receive and and dwell in the glory of God, but mm-hmm. it just won't be of the same capacity. Yeah, um, which. Is is to me? I think that makes it a little easier to understand, and makes it a little less about what we would think of as material rewards here on the earth. Yeah, and I think I think an important piece to this as well is when you think of people being rewarded differently. Just as we see in judgment, you know, those being sent to the lake of fire, they're going to be there's going to be different degrees of punishment there. Um, I I think that it's important to know that in the new heavens, the new earth. There's, there's not going to be resentment. There's not going to be contempt. Um, and maybe more so, there's not going to be comparison. So right. you're not going to be up in heaven. I mean, everything we've been talking about is is, is you are going to be absolutely consumed by the presence of God uh, and overwhelmed by that. And, and anything and everything that you have there is like, how do I worship him with this? Mm-hmm. You're just amazed by him. So there's not going to be this, uh, there's not even going to be the ability to essentially look around and go, well... Oh, well, Kyle, man, Kyle lived better than I did, clearly, you know, and um, or there's Billy Graham. I mean, my goodness, look at his house, you know, like, yeah. you know, and, and there, none of that is going to be the case. And in our flesh, we we tend to treat rewards like our kids do, which yeah. is comparison. Mm-hmm. And that is mm-hmm. not going to be the case. Yeah. It's like the the parable of the talents that Jesus says in, in Matthew 25, where uh, those who invested what their master had had given them mm-hmm. and turned it into more. When the master returns, he says, "Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master." And he says that to both the one who had five talents and multiplied it by mm-hmm. more, and then the one with two and multiplied it by more. The only person who doesn't get is the person who didn't do anything with it, who mm-hmm. didn't live for their master. Um, but it's interesting that he says the exact same thing to. Um, people who yielded different amounts of, uh, you know, 
in in the parable of the talents. So you know, d- different degrees uh, for which they did something for their master, and yet they both get the same message. And so that's that's where the the compare. You know, they both get to enter into the joy of their master. They both right. are told, "Well done, good and faithful servant," because mm-hmm. ultimately, uh, you know, they they did uh, they were faithful with what they were given, and. Um, and and they get to be be with their master now and, and enter into his joy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's such a that's such a great example too, because I, I think that we man, going back to that comparison thing, this is what we do. We compare our success in ministry, our numbers, uh, the people that have responded when we shared our faith and all of these things. And yet in in heaven, what we're gonna see is people rewarded for just being alone in a prison cell they're like for 20 years and just being faithful in that you know and not being able to to have any kind of tangible impact that we would see but God sees their heart God sees what these people in different areas different regions that are are dealing with different things and I just think it's going to be a beautiful time that above all else will just be beautiful to see the faithfulness of people uh throughout all of time that, that's what Jonathan Edwards says. Jonathan Edwards says that there will be different degrees of holiness and happiness in heaven, but those who have um, a lower degree will see in the people who have the greater degree more of the image of God in them, mm-hmm. and they will they will worship in that, and yeah. they will they will delight in that because they can see God in those who are yeah. of the greater degree. And likewise, those who have that greater degree will look on those with less with yeah. perfect love. Yeah. Because they because they have that greater degree of happiness and holiness, they've got a greater capacity to love those who are of a lesser degree. So there's no yeah. gonna there's no comparison, there's no envy, there's no we we will delight in the rewards that each other has greatly yeah. and see that as part of the glory of God. Yeah. It will celebrate. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, okay. The the next question is what happens when we die in terms explainable to kids, please? How does the timeline of these death events align with the events in Revelation? I, I think the first thing we can state really clearly and fully explainable to kids is that if we are in Christ, when we die, we go to be with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul says in Philippians 1, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Mm-hmm. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ for that is all the better. Mm. And I just love that because he knows if I die, I'm with Christ. If yep. I, But if I live, I get to serve him. And uh, he, he says something similar in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where he says, we would rather be away from the body and home with the Lord. Mm. So there's this contrast of saying, as long as we're in the body, we are away from the Lord. But when we're with the Lord, we are away from the body. So from those two verses, we can state, I think, very clearly that for those who are in Christ, when we die, we immediately go to be in the presence of Christ. Yeah, I, I think that that first death, that physical death, you know, immediately our spirits go to the presence uh, of God. And uh, even in the question, do our bodies like catch up? You know, we're, we're then given at, before we, you know, enter into uh, eternity. We have our glorified bodies, uh, you know, just as for... Um, you know, there's, uh, when, when we think of the resurrection at the end or the resurrect the it's the, it's the physical bodies being then, um, resurrected to the spirit. Uh, and so that may sound complicated a little bit, but, but our, but our spirits, uh, they, they move on to, 
once again, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord spiritually until that resurrection when our when our bodies are resurrected and then we are given our glorified bodies uh, and we are then ushered into the new heaven and the new earth. Just as uh, people are, are when they're sent to the lake of fire, they, they, are, they have a physical body that is being sent. And, and I think I, we want to make it clear that, that that resurrected body, that's our ultimate hope. That's right. our ultimate eternal end state. Right. A physical resurrected body living in a physical new heaven and new earth. Right. Uh, but there is that intermediate state, which mm-hmm. is still which is still a glorious state, but it's yeah. not our final glorious state. Yeah. And if we remember back in Revelation six during the during the seal judgments, um, the fifth seal was those souls who had been martyred, who it says were underneath the throne of heaven, mm-hmm. and they and they cry out and they say, "How long, O Lord? How long?" Because yeah. they, yes, they're they're in heaven, they're in this glorified state, but what they really want is to see the culmination of the rest of the book of Revelation, to see the final judgment come, and to see the resurrection and the new heavens and the new earth. Right. So there's this, sure, it's an excitement that, they're, yeah, they're in heaven, but they know that's not the end game. They're, they're, they're still saying, how long, God? Yeah. Even if we're in heaven, how long before we get to that final resurrected body where we get to be in the new earth? So there is that, our, our final hope is the resurrection. Our hope is in that we will be raised again and dwell forever. There is still an intermediate hope for us in knowing that we will see Christ if we die immediately. Yeah, and 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 in terms of like, you know, part of the question here talks about uh, the, the first death, second death. I think one of the things to remember is, is one of the beautiful things for us as believers is, you know, the second death, that's eternal death. That's eternal separation from God. And so believers do not have to fear a second death. You know, we're all going to face a first death uh, unless Christ comes back, you know, and, and all that happens while we're alive. But, but essentially, there is uh, it, the second death is that eternal death. And so we as believers, we do not need to fear that. Um, last question. Uh, will my pet be in heaven? Will my pet talk? Uh, and in parentheses here, it says, think about the serpent and Balaam's donkey here. Um, so, will my pet be in heaven? Will my pet talk? I think we don't know the answer to that question from the Bible in terms mm-hmm. of the pet. We do see a glimpse, though, in heaven that there are animals on yeah. the new earth. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaiah 65 talks about that the wolf and the lamb will be t- will lie down together, that that the lion will will eat straw like the ox. That um, So, there is a sense that we... We see that yeah. part of the picture of the, the peacefulness of heaven is there's not going to be, um, you're not going to have predators, you know, uh, attacking, you know, uh, yeah. other, other animals, but they will be there. So, so that tells us yeah. there's there's going to be. And if it's a recreation of this earth, we, we would expect that because God from the very beginning, I mean, he, he created the animals before the fall in the garden. Yeah. Uh, and there was communion between Adam and Eve and those animals before that sinful state. And so I think... Why wouldn't we expect to see that in heaven? Whether or not those are actually uh, our pets from here, I, I think scriptures just doesn't say a thing about that. I, I, anything that we would say here would be our best guess, which I mean, we probably could guess. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I I agree. I think I think there's you know a, definitely a case. You know, you think of Romans eight, and all of creation is longing you know, for that redemption, for that renewal, for that restoration, all of creation, that, that includes animals. 
Uh, and, and so I, 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 for sure, I think animals are going to, are going to be there, you know, as far as will our pets that have gone on before us or our current pets, will they, will they be there? Uh, you know, I, I could see God, I could totally see God doing that, but we also don't know. We just don't know. And so, uh, it's just not, it's not something we can say matter of factly. Um, when it comes to will they be able to talk, I think we have to understand and know that both of those examples are those animals were actually occupied by, you know, by something else, by a spiritual force. And so that wasn't those animals of themselves speaking in in those two specific cases. Uh, anything yeah. you want to add to that? No, I, I, to me, the clarification on talking, there's something unique about language mm-hmm. that, that is reserved for humanity. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's part of us being in the image of God that we can communicate through language. You know, God God himself calls Christ the word. Yeah. You know, and, and so there is something about language that is inherent in the image of God mm-hmm. that makes us unique amongst all of God's creation. Yeah. And so I don't think that animals will talk because that would presume that they would be in the image of God like humans are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would I would be surprised if when we get to heaven if animals are talking. I mean, God can do whatever God wants to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but I think that that yeah. there is a distinction between animals and humanity. We yeah. are made in the image of God. Animals are not. And I think language is one example of that. Yep. Well, great. Uh, these are these are the questions that that were sent in. And uh, we want to thank all of you for joining us today. And you can join us as well in person this Sunday, 8.30 or 10.30 or online at 10.30 as we actually finish the book of Revelation this weekend. Um, And also, just a reminder, don't forget to send in your uh, responses uh, and reactions to how the book uh, of Revelation, how this study uh, has impacted you uh, in your life and your understanding of Uh, of the revelation of Jesus Christ, okay? And you can send those responses to, once again, 541-515-7634 or to info at ecclesiaugene.org. Thanks for joining us.